Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. Tonight, our Cleveland Cavaliers took on the Detroit Pistons for the second time this very young season, emerging with a much-needed victory after such a lackadaisical performance against the Portland Trailblazers. Now, I don't think the Cavs or anybody in their organization would necessarily come out and say this, unless they had the end post-game. Uh, but this was a must-win, in my opinion. Uh, they needed to recenter and refocus themselves after that bullshit showing against the Blazers in that second half of that game. And thankfully, they walked out with the win. But this was very much a game of runs, one that kept me on my toes. I'm sure it kept most of you on your toes due to what I was seeing on Twitter or X. People just letting takes fly left and right about this team, right, with reckless abandon often. The game got off to a rocky start as Detroit capitalized off the Cavs' inability to properly defend the pick and roll. As Kate Cunningham doled out six, yes, count them, six assists in the first quarter alone, most of them going to cutting teammates. Um, honestly, Cunningham is such a high IQ player, dude. Like He's been tasked with shouldering such a big part of the Pistons' offensive load, a very banged-up Pistons team, honestly. Um, take it for what it's worth because you will find different answers almost everywhere you look. And I think they even mentioned this on the broadcast, but cleaning the glass, my trusted source has Cunningham in the 100th percentile in usage rate. That's right. Number one, if I'm not mistaken there, that dude has to do so much of the heavy lifting in regards to playmaking and distributing uh, standpoints. And it's a huge reason why he's currently eighth in the league in assists per game with 7.1 prior to tonight's game while also leading the NBA in turnovers per game at four and a half with 87 after tonight's game on the season. Now he may not be the leader after tonight. I need to go back and check uh, after getting some of these stats out on paper and whatnot, but yeah, he came into the game as the league's season <laughs> or as the leader in the turnovers per game and total turnovers on the season. But he's super talented, right? Definitely worthy of a top pick in most drafts. And he, including the draft that he was in, you know, if you want to say that you would have taken Evan Mobley over him, you know, I'm a homer, right? You guys know that already. I already have no shame in that. I'll probably, I would probably take Evan over Cade if given a do over. Um, but I say all that to say he's definitely worthy of a top pick in most drafts. And he was very close to a triple double in the first half alone, finishing with seven points, six rebounds and seven assists in that first half. And he would go on to finish the night with 23 points, eight rebounds and 11 assists on a pretty inefficient eight of 20 from the field. Although he did knock down three of 16 from three point distance. Uh, but despite all that and the Rocky start by Cleveland in that first half, they did kind of manage to get their shit together uh, and, and string together some very good possessions starting in the second half, well, in that uh, second quarter, rather, culminating in, I believe, a somewhere around 20 to 6, could have been 20 to 4 uh, run in that second quarter. However, that didn't last. Like I said, this was very much a game of runs. The Pistons, they come up with some runs of their own, and they got off to a 10-0 run to start the third quarter and just kind of seemed to out-hustle the Cavs for a good portion of that second half. Um, just an irritating game, to say the least. You know, started to look like maybe one that the Cavs were possibly going to drop again to the point where JB, man, I, and I applaud him for doing this because a lot of people were asking for it, right? He went a little bit deeper into the bench. Um, started off the game obviously going seven deep, which is unfathomable to me, right? Like 
coming off these past two games in which one against uh, Atlanta, you kind of, I, I think that's the game they kind of wanted to run the score up in because of the in season tournament. You really only went with an eight man rotation. And then against the trailblazers, he did much the same, right? Really only truly going eight deep. And in this one where you don't have um, Karis LeVert available, he sits. Ty Jerome is still not out there. You still don't have Dean Wade available. Um, I was kind of hoping that he would at least, you know, kind of look down at his bench and say, hey, Craig Porter Jr., you know, you've you've had a pretty phenomenal start uh, for an undrafted rookie. Go ahead and, gang, and get some minutes. You earned them, right? They're well-deserved, especially after making those comments that, hey, this 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 dude is going to be included into the rotation moving forward, or he's done enough rather to be included into the rotation. But uh, that just didn't kind of seem to be the case for much of the uh, you know at least for the starting portion of the game. Like Craig Porter Jr. tonight, who I really wanted to see a, a, a healthy dose of Levert's minutes that he was going to be vacating due to being absent. Um, he only played four minutes tonight. Like what the fuck is that? I don't get it. And, you know, we'll talk about DG and Donovan here in a little bit, but I really felt like Craig Porter Jr.'s energy, his tenacity on the defensive end, his knack for making big plays. I really felt like the Cavs could have used a little bit of more of that tonight, but I do, I will give JB credit for this. He sensed that some of these guys didn't have it going, and so he leaned into that bench a little bit further. Isaac Okoro, I'm going to talk about him just in a bit, but man, he... He kind of single-handedly turned this game around himself. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but that dude, he turned the game around himself almost. Uh, George Niang, who people are still complaining about for some reason. I don't get it. You know, he's not the perfect player. He's not somebody who's going to go out there and give you two-way play, but he is doing his job right now. Um, In his 22 minutes off the bench, 14 points, three boards, went five of eight from the field, including one of four from three-point distance. And he ain't taking no shit out there. Right. Uh, I believe that he either I think it was a foul on Jalen Duren. Um, he, he may have fouled Jalen Duren and he just didn't take any shit. Uh, but yes, off that bench, JB kind of sensed that the starters didn't have it going after Detroit kind of went on of a run, uh, a run of their own. And he put he inserted Sam Merrill. He inserted Tristan Thompson uh, and he gave Isaac Okoro a really big dose of minutes tonight, 33 minutes off the Cavalier bench. That's something like the heavy minute total off the bench, like 30 plus minutes. That's typically something that's reserved for the likes of Karis LeVert. So it was nice to see in a game where you don't have LeVert available, somebody off of that bench outside of Niang bringing some sort of punch or some sort of impact. And man, Okoro to me, you know, Max Struess, uh, who was tied with Darius Garland for the leader in points tonight for the Cavs. He was phenomenal at, at, throughout many points in this game. But honestly, the player of the game to me has to be Isaac Okoro. This dude, man, this 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 guy, seriously. Um, Isaac motherfucking Okoro, put some damn respect on his name. Again, this man almost single-handedly brought the Cavs back. Excuse my language, but this nigga filled up the stat sheet tonight with nine points, seven rebounds, four assists, four fucking steals. Dude did a little bit of everything out there, man. How can you not like a player like Isaac Okoro who will come in, do exactly what you need him to do, doesn't always need the ball in his hands to impact the the game. Very, very similar to uh, 
to uh, Karis LeVert in that regard. He doesn't always need the ball in his hands to impact the game, especially on the defensive end. Uh, but for Ice tonight, man, like seriously, he was the he, he led the charge tonight and turning this game around. His intensity on the defensive end, he was everywhere out there. Like seriously. I I don't even know what else to say in regards to him because so many people have given him shit for a lack of development, lack of the three. <laughs> uh, Tuna Sports says, it's I, Mac, let it out. Yeah, again, excuse my language, but this dude, man, he was he was phenomenal tonight. And I, don't, I just don't think the Cavs win this game without him. They just they don't win the game without him, especially when you don't have Karras out there. Uh, Lord Luke says the rotation made CBJ look bad. You can't play him with a Coro. Got to put Struess and Yang with them and play a Coro and Linus with DG. We got away with one tonight, but this ain't going to slide against Orlando. Ah, it's tough, man. Uh, I think some of that is dependent upon whether or not Karras is available. Um, who knows when the hell Ty Jerome or Dean Wade will be back. But uh, yeah, I, some of it is lineup dependent because of the simple fact that one, uh, CBJ is a little bit on the short side, and he can't necessarily be trusted as a shooter just yet. You can't have too many guys out there who are not notable shooters. Uh, Tune in Sports also says it should be a crime not to play a Coro. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean you have to have him out there just strictly because he's an energy guy. He can impact the game without having the ball in his hands. He can play very much in an off-ball role, whether he's cutting to the basket or playing out in transition with the Cavs' increased pace of play, which has them right around middle of the pack, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of overall pace on the season. Um, obviously, that kind of fluctuates from game to game as teams speed speed up and slow down the rate of pace. But Cleveland is solidly, the last time I checked, they're about middle of the pack in pace, which is a big leap from where they finished last season, obviously, which was dead last in pace of play. So this new style that the Cavs are playing heavily favors Craig Porter Jr., which is basically why his stats have kind of gone up across the board uh, to begin this very young season. Like Isaac Okoro on this season is averaging 7.5 points, 3.7 boards, 1.7 assists, but he's also shooting pretty damn well from the field, 50.8% overall and 38.1% from three-point distance, which I believe is a career high for him, right? That is a career high, and that is factoring into tonight's game. Um, so I, I continue to love to see him excel. He, he wasn't the only reason why the Cavs won, but he was the guy that kind of turned things around for them. Tom K says CBJ can't be off ball that much. He has played with DG off ball. Yeah. Um, I, I, in those lineups with DG, I honestly have liked the rep, the rapport. Those guys have kind of developed with one another, but you honestly off that Cavalier bench, you don't want CBJ spending too many minutes with Isaac Okoro. MZC says, if Okoro is the reason you barely beat a historically bad Pistons team nights after you lost to a team intentionally thrown games, <laughs> you have a you have big problems, sadly. I don't think he was the only reason why they won. He was just the reason for the turnaround. I mean, you can't you can't say Okoro was the only reason they won. I mean, you have to give credit to one, Max Struess, who Again, continues to fill up the stat sheet, 22 points, five boards, five assists, loving the playmaking, especially coming off of DHOs with uh, the likes of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Like, I can just tell 
Like when when Max Struess is going into facilitation mode, when he is coming off a DHO with either one of Allen or one of Evan, he goes off that DHO and he gives him a bounce pass. He gives him a bounce pass. Usually that's going to result in a pretty good look at the rim. I love it. I love it. Nine and 16 from the field tonight, four or 10 from distance. He continues to do exactly what the Cavs brought him in for, and that is sharp shooting, right? The Cavs, when they, when they, um, when they acquired Struess, I don't think necessarily they thought that they were going to be getting everything that he's been able to provide them with. So he's been one of the biggest bargains uh, of this past offseason. And when, for all the people who were moaning and groaning about the contract that Struess was given, uh, at the time of the acquisition and sign and trade, you guys kind of look kind of look stupid now, right? Because Struess is really filling the statue up, and he's been one of the by far one of the most impactful players out there for this Cavaliers team. He is the Cavs leader in minutes on the season. He at at one point, I believe, was the leader in catch and shoot triples this season. Um, and he's been better than expected on the defensive end. And it wasn't just those two either, MZC. You got to give credit where credit is due. Jared Allen was actually pretty phenomenal tonight as well. 19 points, 11 boards, 8 and 9 from the field. Again, wasn't just a Coro. was a collective effort, especially down the stretch. A Coro just happened to lead the charge. He got things turned around with the energy. So, all in all, as TuneIn says down here, a win is a win. We will be better. I do believe that. And so here's the thing. Like me, y'all can feel how y'all want to feel. I'm going to stop telling y'all how to fan because, honestly, it's a tiring battle. It's a losing battle because people just want to live in the uh, you know this space of negativity or realism as it's often hidden behind. Um, that's, that really cracks me up all the time when somebody says, I'm a realist. No Nigga, you're not a realist. What the, what the thing is, is you're hiding behind the veil of realism. And the thing that you have to understand about realism is that it's not the same for everybody. Your distinction and version of real is not the same as mine. But you do you. Nevertheless, I'm going to start harp, stop harping on that just because people, you know, win or lose, people are always going to nitpick this team. And who am I to tell you guys how to fan? I'm just going to give you my perspective. And my perspective is that this team is kind of hard to nail down with what exactly they are. Are they a contender? Doesn't look like it. Are they a lottery team? Obviously not. They're kind of in the middle, right? They're trying to find their group. They're trying to figure some shit out. The injuries to start this season off definitely hamper things, but the excuses are obviously kind of running out. That game against the Trailblazers really felt eye-opening in a lot of in a lot of regards in regards to some of the lackadaisical nature of this team at points where they have no reason to feel like they are truly better than everybody else so they need to take all of their opponents seriously right even teams like detroit and uh in portland right some of the teams that are lower in the rankings than than most you have to take every single game seriously because there are no easy wins in the nba and oftentimes for this cavaliers team what we have seen it's not even just this year but this goes back uh you know a, a few years where the Cavs will put their foot on the pedal and uh, either run the score up or give really, really solid effort in the first halves of games and then just kind of take their pedal off, uh, take their foot off the pedal 
uh, in the second half and let a team climb back into it. And that's what happened against Portland. That's exactly what happened against Portland. So tonight it was important to walk out of Detroit uh, with, with the win, frankly. They needed that. They needed to walk out with that victory because, for one, people are going to let takes fly left and right that JB should be fired or that big changes, uh, big changes needed to be made when I don't necessarily think that's the truth. Um, the team, for what it's worth, they are still trying to fight their way through some of these injuries. Again, it just kind of seems fluke. You know, every other game you're looking at this injury report and you're saying, hey, Karis Levert's missing a game. Oh, Darius Garland's going to be out for a game. Dean Wade still isn't back. Still no Ty Jerome. And while they've managed to kind of circumvent a lot of these things, um, you know, it's still definitely hurting the game. Uh, it's still hurting the Cavs in some of these games. Um, Tom K says Cavs late game issues could be playing too short rotation and start as being gassed. Absolutely. And I thought against this Detroit team, um, the you know broadcasting team of obviously AC and John Michael kind of pointed this out on the opposite end with Kate Cunningham, who again is leading the league in turnovers and is top eight in assists per game. Uh, it, you know, he's also leading the league in usage rate. And one of the things for him is that he's often tasked with shouldering such a gargantuan load that he too himself is gassed at the end of games or in the fourth quarters of games. And much like him, the Cavs starters are oftentimes relied upon too heavily by JB. And by the time that fourth quarter comes, especially if it's coming in a game where you're having to fight and claw your way back in, um, that they just become gassed. And they just don't have enough energy to to complete the comeback or to finish off an opponent. We've already seen that happen a few times uh, over the past couple of seasons. And for me, like I see no better example of that of than, than maybe perhaps the play of Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, who tonight, if I'm not mistaken, if my math is correct, if the math is mathing, finished a collective 17 of 32, like. That to me is not necessary. Nope. I take that back. They finished a combined 16 of 42. 16 of 42. Jeez Louise. The backcourt is not getting the job done, especially from a perimeter shooting perspective. They just have not been able to add. And oftentimes, as we've seen this, uh, once we saw this this pairing kind of come together, as we often see with two co-stars, right, and then and them trying to figure it out how they can both dominate in in a game. Far too often, we're still seeing, oh, it's your turn, oh, it's my turn, kind of basketball in regards to Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. For once, I just want to see them have a game where they can both look like stars, right? I don't want to see Donovan Mitchell look like a complete all-NBA player and Darius Garland just look completely out of it and vice versa. I don't want to see Darius Garland have one of his better games of the season and then conversely Donovan Mitchell stinking it up. But under no circumstances can we have both of them looking like complete shit shows out there. Um, And tonight it was very much the same. Like obviously from a points perspective, both finished with 20 plus points, but when you're talking about an efficiency standpoint, their lack of shot creation uh, uh, or lack of scoring rather is really, really killing these calves over these past couple of games. They, they probably don't lose 
uh, you know, against Portland if they shoot better. That type of thing does not happen if your star duo is playing like the stars that we know that they're capable of. And that kind of harkens back to my point of J.B. Bickerstaff and wanting him to be fired or, you know, blaming him or giving him immense criticism because of losing some of these games when honestly a lot of it also falls on the players as well. Like JB can't, <laughs> what's he going to do? He can't take shots for these guys, right? Your, your backcourt cannot shoot 16 of 42. And typically most nights you expect to beat a, a an opponent that's better than these Pistons that can, you can get away with that shit against uh, a Detroit, but uh, you often you can't do that against like the Milwaukee's or the Boston's of the world. It just they've got to figure that out. Some of that is on JB. Maybe you have to kind of um, do a little bit of lineup shuffling. Maybe you kind of have to uh, configure the minutes a little bit, right? But your your star backcourt duo can't necessarily can't do that. You, you can't do that and expect to win. Tom K says requires so defined plays where they are playing off ball and getting good open looks got to draw it up that way for both. Yeah. I think, um, I think that that has merit, right? You you want to be able to design the offense and draw up some plays that, uh, that, that open the floor up for both of those guys and in, in, in anticipation of getting them good looks. And I think honestly, the addition of Max Struess has done that. Like the gravity that Struess is generating, especially let's say if you have DG driving the basketball, uh, and you have Max Struess out in the corner. A lot of times, if you guys have noticed, the defense is really, really paying attention to Max Struess. They are really, really shading over to his side. Like, and that opens the floor up for Donovan Mitchell as an off-ball shooter. Same thing for Jared Allen and Evan Mobley as vertical spacers, right? Going up as lob threats, especially when you're talking about some of the pick-and-roll uh, opportunities that that, that allows. Um, tune in says Mobley only five shots. Yeah. Mobley finished in single digits in, t- in regards to scoring just six points on the night, 11 board, two of five from the field. Um, one of the things that I saw tonight was that, um, Detroit was often physical with him. Right. And one of the knocks on Evan Mobley at this point in his career is that if you get physical with him, that he kind of wilts a little bit. And I still think that that is an area of his game that he is working on. Um, obviously, the added weight, the the seven pounds, I think that's what it was quoted as during Cavs Media Day. Um, that definitely helps, but uh, still a lot of the time when, when he's playing more of a physical matchup, like you see out there with maybe a Jalen Duren, um, you know, that definitely can hurt. Uh, and it, it can take Evan Mobley out of his element to a degree. Do I wish he had more touches tonight? Definitely. Definitely. I don't I, I, I don't understand why Evan Mobley continues to be phased out of the offense at certain points of the game. But such is the case when you're trying to figure some shit out when you're not shooting very well in the night. Uh, Sven Reek Gaming says both DG and Don have the tendency to get lazy on offense that leads to turnovers that are not needed. Yeah, definitely possible, especially when one or the other is playing off ball. It can happen. And tonight, luckily, Cleveland only turned the ball over 11 times. They actually won the turnover battle 11 to Detroit's 16, which obviously is a good step in the right direction. Well, a step in the right direction, rather. Um, One of the biggest culprits of that, and I know I kind of mentioned Cade Cunningham being the NBA's 
turnover leader right now. Well, Darius Garland is actually second, right? He's not up there in regards to total assist, uh, total turnovers because he missed some time, but he is actually second in the NBA in turnovers to Cade uh, Cunningham. And tonight, DG turned the ball over just twice. Um, obviously, no turnover is good. You don't want him to have if it, you know in a perfect world you want him to have zero turnovers. But I will live with two. I'll live with two, especially on a night where you're just not shooting so well. At the very least, just don't turn the ball over. Don't give the don't give your opponent extra opportunities to score the basketball. Um, but yeah, I mean that's just that that's kind of where I'm at with that pairings. They can get a little bit of lackadaisical out there, as DG himself kind of mentioned uh, in, in one of his uh, post game interviews for the um, uh, for that loss against the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Bebo says, I think it's safe to assume that with JB, we can never be contenders. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, time will tell on that one. And I continue to say this. My stance on JB is kind of it, it's kind of changed a little bit as the past couple of seasons have gone on. Obviously, he's experienced a pretty solid regular season success, elevating his the Cavaliers win totals. In each of the past couple of seasons, you go from 22 wins to 44 wins in a play-in berth and then 51 wins. And obviously, we know how terribly the postseason series against the New York Knicks uh, went. But again, you know, he's increased that win total in the regular season each single season. And yes, some of that coincides with adding additional talent to the roster, but some of that credit does have to go to JB as well. Uh, but in regards to him being able to lead this team to contendership, I don't know. Um, it's it's too early to tell for me. As of this moment right now, where I've kind of at with JV is like, hey, let's let's give it to the midseason point before we give any definitive statement on whether or not you know he's the guy to to, to get the job done. I honestly don't think. Um, I can make that call right now, especially when I don't necessarily consider any option on that current Cavalier bench, at least from a coaching standpoint, to be better than what we currently have. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the thought of Luke Walton. Uh, usually when a guy is canned in the um, in the midseason point, usually the associate head coach, if I'm not mistaken, takes over. So that would be Greg Buckner, I think. Um, not really thrilled about that. Um, a lot of people continue to say Dave Yeager, who is not on the Cavs bench, he's in an advisory role. So, you know, um, please think before you're suggesting fire JB, who is his replacement? Um, yes, people have been suggesting Mike Budenholzer, names like that. Uh, no, just wait. If you're going to fire JB, at least do it in the offseason, because I honestly believe that a midseason firing probably does more harm to this team than good. I really do. I truly do. And I think for JB, uh, give him to the give him the rest of the season to figure this out. Unless the Cavs just go on an ungodly losing streak, right? Then you think about maybe looking at your options come the all-star break. But no, as of right now, I'm not on the fire B, uh, fire JB chain. I have I will say this. Um some of these things that are continuously occurring for this team, lack of focus, um lack of challenge lack of challenges at certain points in the game where you probably should throw that challenge some of the out of timeouts of play calls uh yes it is an issue that i have noticed over the past couple of seasons but just like players coaches have the ability for development as well jb is still developing as a coach he's still growing as a coach 
And I think that if you, you at the very least, give him to the uh, to the midseason point before giving a full opinion on whether or not he's the guy or he's not the guy. That's where I'm at on JB. So you're not going to see me calling for his job just yet. I'll check in at the midseason point and and give my my uh you know my updated thoughts on that. But we just got to see. Uh, Bebo says no one will agree with me on this, but if we added an offensive-minded coach like a Mike D'Antoni who can unlock our backcourt consistently, we could contend. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I'm sure the Cavs will be entertaining some names if the season ends in the same result as it did or worse, um, God forbid, uh, at the end of the season, but we'll see. And Tom K says, feels like JB trusts some players regardless of what is happening on the floor. That is an is a point that I'll kind of agree with, right? On a night where DG or Donovan is absolutely struggling to knock down, uh, knock down some shots, sometimes JB still has an over reliance on them, or he won't bench them or uh, sit them for a couple of minutes and see what uh, or who off the bench could provide a spark. But tonight, I already said it. Like, JB actually kind of did that in that third quarter, right? He went back to Okoro. He put Sam Merrill out there. He gave Tristan Thompson a few minutes. Um, he did kind of see that the Cavs were struggling a little bit and kind of changed a little bit of things. And then after Okoro and company were able to spark the turnaround, then he went back to that starting lineup and, and you know, and included Okoro in that, right? So, um, you know, that's... That's that's growth for JB. Sometimes you can't have a over reliance or perhaps too much trust in uh, in some players. Obviously, you know one of the bigger complaints that people have with him is that he kind of favors certain guys a little bit more than others. Um, you know, Isaac Okora, in my opinion, is kind of like a JB JB type of player because he's a rugged defender out there. He's an energy guy, um, and at certain points, you know, for him. Uh, Tune in says, sorry to, uh, to kind of switch subjects here. Mac, when do you think D Wade coming back? Uh, I don't know, man. Tough to tell uh, with ankle stuff. And I think he's dealing with the ankle sprain, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're definitely missing him. Uh, you know, I, I'm i seeing that right now. The Cavs from a defensive aspect, although for some reason people seem to think to believe that uh, Amani Bates or Craig Porter Jr., players like that are already better than Dean they just are not seeing the type of contributions that Dean Wade is bringing to the table, especially from a defensive and a rebounding perspective. And not to mention the fact that he gives you real solid minutes at the backup four position when you kind of need to move up off of George Niang. Um, he's a good kind of change of pace from George because he's a better defender and he's still capable of spacing the, spacing the floor himself. And he has more size. Right. So I we are definitely missing Dean Wade out there. I can't wait till he comes back. Uh, but overall on the night, this is a win that the Cavs are obviously probably circled on their calendars prior to the season starting and penciled it in as a win. And tonight, thankfully, they came away with that. But as they found out uh, just la- this last game against Portland, there is no such thing as an easy win in the NBA. So you need to take every single opponent seriously out there and you have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat in order to you know put yourself in a good position the Cavs obviously with some a couple of tough matchups looming large on their you know on their schedule 
taking a win like Detroit is something that's really important, especially as you're about to head into a matchup against the Orlando Magic. Um, got some time off, right? Got a couple of days off. That Magic game is not uh, until Wednesday, so you, you got some time to figure some things out. Hopefully the time off gives Darius and Donovan – some some much needed rest and they're able to kind of recalibrate their shots is <laughs> because they've just been off man and then you immediately following orlando you have a pretty tough matchup against the miami heat who consistently play the um who consistently play the Cavs very very well so not necessarily opponents who are going to just lie over for you Cavs actually take on orlando twice in a three-game stretch so this is going to be a very very telling uh, next couple of games on the season slate. And so t- as tune in says down here, man, magic won't be easy. I'm expecting to fight. You damn right. Damn Skippy. These teams, man, again, there is no such thing as a, an easy win in today's NBA. The town is just so damn expansive across the league. Like there is so much talent teams that were, um, you know, almost everybody has a team, a player on their team that can kill you these days out there on the court tonight it was Kay Cunningham right he kind of maybe not necessarily from a shooting perspective but he was lighting the Cavs up facilitating that basketball and he was he's one of the better rebounding guards out there if you consider him a guard but uh yeah um overall on the night satisfied that we walked out with the win not satisfied with everything that came with it obviously the bad shooting but I'll take it I'll take it. Yeah, and Bojan returning. That's another aspect tonight that I didn't necessarily mention. In that, you know, in the first matchup, I don't think they had Bojan out there. So um, he's a big addition to this to this Detroit team. I think he um, he was right around twenty two points per game, if I'm not mistaken, for that Orlando team. So yeah, definitely a tough tough matchup in terms of like. Single matchups, Bojan, Cade. Uh, there are they. This just goes to show that every team has a few guys out there that are that are definitely capable of beating you if you're not on your shit. And tonight, hopefully, you know, thankfully, they were not. <laughs> uh, you know, they they were not falling victim again to an opponent that they were supposed to beat. Um. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good place to leave it off tonight. Hopefully the Cavs pull their shit together in that backcourt, you know, come Wednesday against Orlando, but solid win. Good to get back into the win column brings the Cavs record. If I'm not mistaken to 11 and nine and in the standings right now, that puts us in the seventh spot too early to really comment on, you know, playoff seeding or anything, but each and every one of these games is important for establishing that later on in the season. And so again, you just got to beat the teams you're supposed to be. And tonight they pulled that off against the Detroit Pistons who they will face off with twice more in this still very, very young season. With that said, as I always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to me, you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you want to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and I will send you an invite. That said, have a good weekend. Go Cavs.